morning, everyone. This is uh, this is Mike. I got James with me again, as we do every week. And uh, this is episode 10 of the Broker Breakdown, where we kind of discuss everything related to the insurance side of things here, home and auto, commercial, and, and all things insurance. Uh, we, made it, to, we made it to episode 10. Yeah, yes. Big, <laughs> hey, you know what? The one good thing about getting this far is that we have lots of different things to chat about with you guys every week as uh, as more and more things become current in the landscape of insurance. Yeah, no, we uh, we appreciate you guys listening to us every week. Um, to get to 10 episodes is is big, and hopefully we can continue moving on to 20, 30, 50, and even 100 at one point. So thank you so much for tuning in. And uh, yeah, hopefully we can make uh, episode 10 special like all the other ones. Yeah, it's going to be definitely a current... Uh, a lot of stuff current with what's going on in the industry right now, especially from where we're at here in Southern Ontario. And I'm guessing probably a lot of other places as well with uh, with the current vehicle stock situations. Yes. So this this episode is really not going to pertain a lot to insurance. Like we are going to talk a little bit how these kind of vehicles, like different either new or used, will kind of pertain uh, to insurance, like coverage-wise and premium. And if you're financing or leasing, like how that could impact insurance. But it's kind of, we're going to go a little bit, around insurance almost and kind of talk about what this stock is really meaning for clients and consumers um especially in ontario and again a lot of other places in canada and even in the states are having this issue that there's still a massive um new vehicle shortage which has turned into basically a used vehicle shortage because people are not being able to buy new vehicles so all the used vehicles are now skyrocketing uh but then again recent studies have shown that it kind of it has been cooling off since the summer but it's still not back down to where it was prior where used vehicles were a little bit more affordable than buying new yeah yeah there's there, i mean there's there's a lot to talk about on this um i know personally i i, I talked and, and chatted with lots of different people in the industry as well as a few buddies of mine that uh, were looking at getting new vehicles um give or take about a year ago and at the time, uh, dealerships were basically just saying, you know, we don't have the stock right now. If you pre-order, you know, you'll be able to get it in whatever it was going to be, right? Three, four, three months, four months, six months, you know, whatever, whatever the timing was at that particular time. But as time went on, I, I heard from lots of people that, you know, that three months, four months turned into six months, turned into nine months, turned into, we have no idea you know, but they would have your down payment or have you locked in there too, James. I'm not sure if you heard of that kind of stuff going around. Yeah, I've I've had clients that have bought vehicles like over the summer and like in the springtime. And then it was supposed to be like four to six months. And then I've even had clients that like they've been pushed back into 2023 now. Um, so obviously the time frames have still been increasing. There really hasn't been a change in that. And even to like specialty cars, like more higher end vehicles, like some vehicles right now are saying that they're, it's going to take a year to two years to build. So it's a massive, massive change from where we are very used to, where you could just go to a lot if they had the car there, great. And you could walk off like in the next week with the vehicle where now it's like, if you need a vehicle, like you better hope that they even have vehicles there. Um, because again, if you want to factory order one, it's taking like 
minimum six months, if not longer. And in six months, you're probably looking at a very base, like not a lot of features in that vehicle at that point. Right, right. And see, this is this is a good segue to how this episode brings it back to insurance. That just that little bit is that people need to not only realize, but kind of plan and understand that if you need a vehicle, you know, let's say you've sold one or you've been involved in an accident and you need to purchase a new vehicle, you're at that stage in the transaction. There's more moving parts now than there were, you know, two years ago prior to COVID. I mean, there was a point where nobody would think about it. If something were to happen, there was no planning involved. It would just say, I'm going to go to a used car dealership or four of them. I'm going to go to a new car dealership or, you know, four or five of them. I'm going to find. And I have options. (laughs) Like, yeah, I I got my make model year. I have my financing terms. I'm going to almost battle between dealerships to find out who can give me the best price because they all have, you know, that white Tucson of 2020 with this many kilometers. Like there was, there was availability at the time. Yeah. Options. Now it's how it pertains back to the insurance side is let's say you're involved in that claim where you sold a vehicle and needed a new one. You know, you don't have six months to to plan for the next vehicle. You're basically, I got to get to work. I got to get to school. I got to drive my family around. You're now going to be forced into either A, you know, maybe overpaying for that used vehicle because dealerships know the value of what they have on their lot right now. Or B, you're going to end up buying new, but it's not going to necessarily be what you want because of options available. And then yeah. there's the financing side too, James. Yeah, I, I, a lot of my clients are saying the same thing as where like they're either being forced into something that is like they know is way overpriced or they're buying something they really don't want, but there's really no other options. So a lot of the dealers that I work with are actually seeing that like people are like, buying these vehicles and like either returning them like right after because they don't like them or they just can't afford them after because the rates are just like so bad right now right even even right. for even for new and used like the it, there's some so there's some dealers that um have like in-house like financing so like ford has in-house financing i think hyundai does too and then honda there's a few other ones that i'm probably missing but the good thing is, is if you have in-house financing, you basically can set the rate a little bit, right? So like most of those companies are at about 4.99%. But other companies that have to go through the banks, like some of them I've heard are like almost at like 6.99. And then used, you're at almost like 8.99. So it's we've really come a far away from the past where like you could go get a vehicle for 0.99 financing or even 0% financing for like eight years. It was basically like you were borrowing free money to have a brand new vehicle. Um, so the times have definitely changed from post-pandemic times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know I was mentioning to you, right? I, had, I got my 2013 Elantra. I bought it new 2013. I actually still have it right now. I've been driving it around. But I was one of those people that had eight years at 0% at the time. And I remember specifically having other dealerships at, you know, 1% or it was the the perks and, you know, what was being offered had to be so tight in order to get people to buy at the time, right? Because it was just a different marketplace. Now with the supply and demand issues, I mean, dealerships are not, um, you know, not hurting by any means. I mean, if people want a vehicle, it's basically like, if you don't buy this, Somebody else is going to next week. Exactly. If you don't basically pay sticker price, like you're really, you're not getting vehicles. 
I the one thing I do like is that Ford did is that they've done the the finance freezing. But again, I think the only reason why they're allowed to do that is because they do their own in-house financing. So they basically a little kind of a quick little thing about what they've done is basically if you basically sign today on a factory order or whatever vehicle it is, let's say it's at 4.99%. If it goes up any path, like if it goes up further than that, you're basically locked in at the 4.99%, no matter how long it takes for your vehicle to come in. And then they also have a basically like a side note where is if the rates come down, which again, probably not going to happen because we are kind of going to that recession time, which again, that's a whole other story. But if the, if the rates do come down, they actually will offer you an even lower rate if the, by the time your vehicle lands and is delivered, then if that rate's lower than what you've been frozen at for who knows how long, then they'll actually offer you the lower rate, which is I think is a very, very good selling point because now people will go to Ford because, again, Fords are very good for certain things. Again, I'm not a big Ford guy. Like I drive a Ram myself. But again, I think what they're doing is they're really intriguing people to actually buy vehicles and again like they're trying to help people out when they know that like in the market that we're in right now it's not very consumer friendly yeah it's 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 definitely gonna be tough for some and i mean it's not gonna help the long term because we all people that um people that drive they, they need to get around right there, there's a reason that they have a vehicle in the first place not many people are are self-aware enough to take the bus at that point and or you know rely on other other options you'll, you'll kind of it's convenience put, well yeah and you're going to put yourself into uh you if, if need be people would put themselves into debt or in a, in a tighter spot in order to you know save that convenience right because that's what we're used to so i'm not saying that's wrong or right because everyone's got to make their own decisions but what i will say is that with people over leveraging themselves the same way that we talked about that on the home side and what people have done you know, we're with overpaying for homes the last couple of years is that there will be a point where, you know, they can only afford this the next six or eight months without something changing in their life. And if they can't, it's like, you know, do cars go back to the dealerships because there's defaults at 7% interest rates on cars, um, you know, overpaying. So now you've, you've bought that truck that's 40 grand that should technically be 20 in a post COVID world, like in, things like that start to happen as well. What a lot of people don't also realize too is that this whole luxury tax thing is a huge, huge deterrent for people because now with the increase of values of cars, anything over a hundred thousand dollars is again taxed. Another, I think it's twelve percent. So is that is that MSRP or what's the like? How how do you break the hundred thousand down? How, I don't know how they break it down. Um, I I honestly I I think it's like total like. I think it's total price. Like, don't quote me on it, but I'm pretty sure it's like total price. So, like, even trucks, for example, like five years ago, you could buy like a souped up truck for like fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollars. And now, like, even a top model truck, like from any of the dealers, like your minimum is like a hundred k minimum. So, like, even trucks like are being put into that luxury tax category. So not only right. that, not only have they increased, but now you're paying an extra twelve percent on tax for a truck, and it's like really like that's what we needed. That's what we wanted to focus our time on and efforts is to tax silly things like that. Like I personally, I don't agree with the luxury tax. I think it's just going to hurt people more in a time that we don't need any more of that kind of stuff. Um, I think 
like vehicles and stuff like that, like maybe like 200, 250,000. Yes. But again, like if you go look at any truck, that's like a little bit of a higher end model, like you're easily in that 90 to a hundred thousand, even like, like higher end SUVs, like an Audi or an infinity or something like that. You're easily into that, like 80, 90, a hundred thousand dollars. So right. again, you're being smacked with that 12% tax right away. So again, it's not only are you paying higher rates for the financing or the leasing, but now you're paying, if you go over that 100K, now you're also paying an, a higher tax just because it's a luxury item. Right. I mean, the, 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 the other side of that coin, though, for those that probably are there as well, I mean, people could argue that you don't need a vehicle over over hundred grand. So if you're buying it, you have the cash to do it. So you're just you're just going to buy it regardless. Yeah, like you're you don't need the hundred k like vehicle. But again, like where those vehicles were not a hundred k like three years ago or five years ago, and now they are a hundred k. Like I don't like personally, I don't think those kind of vehicles should be dropped into a luxury tax category. Yeah, right, right. I, I, I see what you're saying there. At that point, there's, yeah, there's yeah. More people are just going to be starting to do that at that point. Because uh, it just deters people from buying it even more, right? Like, I'm not going to go in, pay 6.99% on $100,000, then get taxed by 12% on it on top of that, too. So, like, literally, I'm walking out of that dealership, and I'm basically owing, like, 125 k on a truck that should be worth, like, 70 Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, I mean, that's that's part of the... That's part of the the now stock problem as well, right? Like people are bringing, uh, I I don't know about all dealerships, but the the few that I've I've dealt with and talked with people, you know, there's there's only so much new stock. So like you said earlier, you can't get that new vehicle you want, or it's going to take six months or eight months or twelve months. You end up having to go to the used place, um, which is totally fine as well. That's not a that's not a um, you know, I'm not not smacking down on any of the any of the used cars because that's that's what a lot of people buy as well. But then, then they know they have the advantage, right? At that point as well. So then you have these used cars that are just astronomically overpriced from what they were even eighteen months ago. Yeah, but it's almost not even beneficial to buy a used car because, yeah, the price is lower, but the rate's usually a little bit higher, right? So even if the rate is, even if the the price is lower and the rate's going to be higher, like you're basically like in dealerships are telling me this all the time. Like people are moving more towards new right now because the used car market is so high the rates are so high and new inventory is starting to kind of stabilize a bit like obviously not prior to covid like when you could just go to a lot and they had like 100 vehicles but it's starting to stabilize a bit where like consumers are just why would i go buy a used car when yeah the rate might be 10 or fifteen thousand dollars less but again the financing rate is a lot higher so realistically like i'm paying almost the same price for a used car than I could for a new car with all the warranties and stuff that are added in from the dealer. So I don't think a lot of consumers are going that route right now because again, like the used market is just so inflated. Yeah. 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 It's definitely going to be a tough time for anyone purchasing because if you do, you know, have that vehicle, for example, that you had for six, seven or eight years, and then something happens where either, you know, it, it, it's gone, it bit the biscuit, it's involved in a claim, whatever the situation might be, when you're buying that that new used vehicle that you want, it's almost like you're going to be overpaying for what it was because you know everyone's in the same place. And now you're back up to 
you know, buying that used for 20 grand versus, versus 10, right? Exactly. Or whatever it might have been. Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, it's just, it's definitely a market where consumers are, are just not in a very good buying position, unfortunately. It's just, it doesn't, it's not benefiting the buyer whatsoever. And the seller, on the other hand, yeah, great. Because like even used cars, like some dealers and stuff are, have been buying used cars and basically either buying it for more than it's more than you owe on it or you're or you're even getting more money than what's it's even worth because the used car market is so well it was hot in the summertime it's cooling down a bit right now but it's still very very high compared to what it was like i said prior to the pandemic but right um, i could drive i i could easily go I've, I've driven my truck for two years i could easily go trade it in right now and i could probably get what what i owe on it if if not more Right, and which, which is insanity. Years. That's crazy. Yeah. Vehicles have never been an investment; they've always been a depreciating like item. And but now, during like the pandemic, and even like now, like with, I guess the pandemic kind of going away a little bit, like you could still get like more money than what you paid for the vehicle. Which again, like that's in in history, that's ne- vehicles have never been um, an investment. They've always been, always been a depreciating value because it just, that's how cars are. You drive off the lot, it's already worth 20% less. Right. But like during COVID, like it was, you could basically make money on your vehicle, which is like insane. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy. Um, the one thing that, that I'll make a point of as well, cause I know that, you know, people and how to bring it back to insurance and how that affects you and why you need to plan is that if your vehicle is involved in that claim, for example, need a new one, uh, and I'm going through this with someone actually right now, you know, your policy, your insurance policy has um, a spot for rental vehicle coverage if it was involved in a claim and if you have it on. There's a, there's a couple ifs to that. But if you have it on there, one thing that I, we've mentioned before, and this is just based on both inventory stock of vehicles and the parts problem and how long you know repairs take, is making sure your rental vehicle coverage is more because if, for example, you can't get you can't find that next used vehicle for you know three to four weeks, the other thing that's happening right now with all of these stock problems is that other people are also renting vehicles for a longer time. So rental vehicle places are only having so much stock that they can they can give out to people. They don't you know you don't have enough rental vehicles yeah. out there. And I think we we talked about this in an earlier episode that where the rental market has been like drastically hit by this with this shortage in vehicles, but they are still in a very bad position because they always had to switch out cars and they don't keep a car for very long because again, like they it's being driven all the time. But now right. to switch out vehicles is it's tough now because again, like they have to compete with the regular consumer market, um, and then get new vehicles somehow but then the used vehicles that they sell are basically selling for more but again people don't want to pay for more because again they usually rental vehicles have a higher kilometers on them because again they're being driven like all the time right so right it's definitely a market that's getting that's been hit very very bad and again like even even if you go on like a vacation or anything like that for you to get a rental vehicle like look at rental car prices right now like when i went to alberta two weeks ago or whatever it was um, eat just for five days. I think we almost paid like three hundred dollars for five days. 
I had a client yesterday that I was talking to that said that she was in, um, she was impacted by that whole WestJet thing. Did you hear about that over the weekend? No, no. Basically, WestJet had a big like um, like system issue. So like all their flights over the weekend and even like into the week so far have either been delayed or like canceled and stuff. Mm. So they were they were in like Moncton or something, and they were trying to get back to like Winnipeg and um flights were like insane to get back so they were looking at doing a rental car like from moncton to winnipeg from moncton to winnipeg she was telling me they were trying to charge her twenty five hundred dollars to rent the car for three for three days what is that like i had a car in alberta for five days and i paid three hundred dollars so why was it why were they quoting her at twenty five hundred dollars Got to be, got to be the kilometers on it, right? I'm assuming. But most like, places now they just they offer unlimited. Don't like anyone that we uh, looked at when we went to Alberta. It was all like unlimited, unlimited. Uh, maybe, maybe. I, I, I mean, it, it probably depends on which rental vehicle agency as well. Yeah. Or if like you disclose how far you're going, there's, there's probably stuff to that that we're not seeing. Exactly, but still, like I'm like you're telling me it's going to cost the same amount if not more to rent a car to drive all the way home than it is just to hop on a plane like i'm like that doesn't make any sense right right yeah and you know what the the one thing about that too for rental vehicles is that because they're having a shortage of vehicles available to them and they're in such high demand the competitive advantage from one to the next is kind of gone right because everyone's out of stock and as a result those prices have gone up right like even even what yeah, it is there's to, no there's no hey, shopping opportunities, right? It's not like before where, okay, Mike, you quote me at twenty five hundred dollars, I can go over to James Rental and they're going to quote me two thousand dollars, right? That right advantage that you're talking about is not really there. And same with dealerships. Dealerships before, if I wanted to go buy a Honda, I could go to five dealerships and get all different pricing. But now it's really not like that. You don't. There's no advantage to going to multiple dealerships because you're really not going to get a deal because most places are selling exactly how they come if they come at 25k you're buying it for 25k because there's really not a lot of deals going on right now because they know that like the market's so um versatile right now that like people are just coming in and they'll just drop whatever money they they need to just to get a new vehicle right right yeah so this is it so to bring that back the and I know we did a quick um, segment on that in our last rental vehicle one that we did both talking about rentals. But if you have rental vehicle coverage on your policy with respect to a claim, whether you're at fault or not, and, and just make sure you know if you have it on there or not. Um, if you see the spot where it's you know um, for rental vehicle and it's fifteen hundred dollars, I would strongly recommend it's up to two twenty five hundred, if not three thousand at the minimum. And most companies can offer that unless you maybe get some of the high risk ones. I know uh, don't specifically allow increases, yeah. but um, yeah, 2,500 to 3,000 now is going to be, I think what the new standard is moving forward. I don't see that coming back down because even when this change happens, um, rental vehicle in general, you should have it longer because it's going to, it's always going to be weeks now before you get a car back. I don't think it's ever going to be like a week. No, it's never going to go. It's there's there's like stupid little parts that are like costing and taking time. Where like even a windshield, like a windshield on certain vehicles, like minimum two to three weeks. Right. Like they used to just have them sitting in the lot, and now it's like two to three weeks to get a windshield. 
So now there's there's a lot of stuff to that though too, right? I was talking to a guy when I got my chip done. I got a I had a chip in my windshield and I got it repaired from one of those quick places. And I remember talking to him briefly and he had mentioned that the one thing consumers don't realize and need to is that there was a time where a windshield was just a piece of glass and you could suction cup it in, you could put you know what I mean the whole process took 2 hours. It was we had the piece or we don't. Now, I mean the majority of vehicles out there need to have their windshields calibrated to the rest of the car. You know, you're looking at like a minimum of five to a thousand dollars. Like, there's no such thing as like a two hundred dollar windshield. Oh yeah, my windshield, my windshield's like a thousand dollars, or is like three thousand dollars because all the sensors I have in my windshield and stuff, like the um, the heating thing, where like it basically like will defrost the whole windshield like right away. Right. So yeah, we've we've definitely gone in a direction where we've made things more complex. And it's not just a piece of glass anymore, right? No. So no. that's I, I fully understand that. So but again, like before, like you could easily get it within a few days, right? You just call the dealer or whatever and we you get one sent in, but now it's like two to three weeks. Like, yeah. If I went if I were to go change my windshield right now, I because I actually do have cracks in mine from like um like stones and stuff, like I got hit on the highway to if I wanted to fix mine, like I'm a minimum two to three week wait minimum right right and so another reason right why having higher rental car coverage is so important or unless you want to pay it all in a pocket for example which you're obviously able to or or have someone else drive you around i still see people to this day when i'm quoting them because i like to look at people's like policies and stuff and really compare like what i'm offering compared to what they have because again for me i'm never i'm not a price guy i know mike you're not a price guy either i'm a value person so I like to see what value I'm adding to them. And I see way too often where companies are still offering clients like $800 to $1,200 in rental car coverage. Right, right. It's like, like, why? Like, why are we offering this to the client? Like, this cannot be what's in the client's best, like, like options. No, no, no. It, it's definitely not. It. I think there's, there's definitely a gap in the industry, though, where... Um, you can easily brush over the fact that you know you have your liability, you have your you have your deductible, and here's your rental, but not say the limit of the rental. So it's kind of just like a it, it satisfies their want to say I have rental, but the limit conversation is actually the more important part of that. A very very quick thing because this can be a whole topic of another episode we might do in the future. But name me like any time. Like maybe before you were in the industry, because I think now like it's a little bit different. But name me one time that you were getting insurance and any of your brokers ever talked about uh, accident benefits. Uh, I man, prior to being in the industry, I was under my parents' policy for like ten years, so I don't, I can't even comment on that because I don't think I, I never had those conversations like even once. Yeah, I, exactly. I, from, a, from a client perspective, sorry. So if people are brushing over accident benefits, like people are definitely brushing over like rental car coverages, even liability. I see all the time, 1 million liability. I even, there is even clients out there that I deal with sometimes and they are at $300,000 in liability. And I'm just like, what kind of broker are you dealing with? They're brushing over liability. They're brushing over the accident benefits. Even if you're not increasing accident benefits, it should be at least like a, I always talk about accident benefits. At least if it's like a minute conversation, you know what? This is, you legally have to have this in Ontario. Okay. Here's what, here are the certain things it covers. You can increase it if you like, you can keep the minimums. 
but people just brush it over. And like I said, they brush over liability, they brush over the accident benefits, they brush over the rental car coverage, and they don't actually look at what they're being covered for. And then something happens and they're like, oh, well, my limits are very low. Why is that, right? Right, right. But again, yeah. that could be a whole topic for a whole other conversation. So, But it just it's just funny that um, like brokers... And again, it might not just be the broker side. It might be also the consumer side. I don't need that high of limits or that kind of stuff. But it's just when when we have all these stats sitting in front of us saying that like you need to have this, you need to have that, like we advise this, we advise that, that people still go against that. Brokers still don't bring that up in their conversations with their with their clients. Yeah, right, right. Um, the one thing too, on the, and I was just thinking about this, on the new and used vehicle side is because vehicles values right now are inflated, right? And there's this market for them. It's even more of an importance to make sure that you have, you know, comprehensive and or collision on your car for sure. Because there was a time before all this kind of inflated prices that, you know, if you ran liability only on an older vehicle, you're basically taking the risk that if there's damage to it, you're either going to repair it yourself or you're going to scrap the vehicle and look at another one yourself, but it's not going to be an insurance claim for you, right? Even older vehicles now, because the value of them is inflated and higher, and getting an, um, a new used vehicle of similar value is so hard probably right now. I can only assume with the with the stock shortages around that finding that same make, model, and year with a similar price tag is probably not going to be happening. Right? It's going to be higher. It's even more important to make sure you have maybe collision specifically on your policy, so that if you do have the you know the O nine vehicle that that is involved in a claim and you were at fault, at least you're getting either uh, a claims check to go out and buy a new one, and or you're you know going to get it repaired by the insurance company. To say I'm going to scrap and move on is still a valid thing. Don't get me wrong, but it might people might not understand that. By going to get the new one, they might be in a bad situation where if they can't afford the new use, James, if that makes sense. Yeah, I guess I get people all the time that have old vehicles and they're like, you know what? I'll just want to put liability on it. Again, there's pros and cons to that. Obviously, cheaper premium. If it's an older vehicle, like you really don't really care a lot about it. Or you, obviously, you still care about it. But again, the if you have to scrap it is not a big issue. But again, in today's world, it kind of is a big issue because again, looking at the things we just talked about this whole episode is that prices have increased. Like even for me, when I first drove, I drove an 06 Honda Civic. I think I paid like four grand for it like years ago. And even now, like I go buy an 06 Honda Civic, I'm probably paying four grand now, if not more for the same kind of vehicle. And it's like, it's been like six years or seven years since I've driven the thing. Right. It's still worth the exact same amount of money as when I bought it prior right um so people don't again for my clients i always say you know what if you're using the vehicle for like work school driving your kids to school or whatever it is like if your family relies on this vehicle if you rely on this vehicle for anything i never recommend liability only and the only reason is because reasons why accidents are called accidents is because we don't plan on having them i don't go and drive my vehicle and i'm like you know what i'm gonna have an accident today that's why they're called accidents. We don't know when they're going to happen. So if you rely on that vehicle, I strongly recommend to all my clients to never, ever just do liability only because in the case of an accident, and if it's at fault, 
guess what? There's no coverage for that vehicle. And now something that you rely on is basically either broken to the point where it's now scrappable or the insurance company isn't paying it and you're going to have to pay it out of pocket. Right, right. Yeah. And the point you made on the relying of it, I think is super key, right? No one realizes sometimes the risks of not having that vehicle they rely on until it actually happens, right? It's And it happens every day, right? Accidents, unfortunately, do happen. But if you're driving to a job or you're driving your kids to school, like things that happen every day, that really impacts your life moving forward. And it's not a week. It's not five days, right? We've talked about this before. I would say I know multiple people that have had, unfortunately, claims that go into the months. But I would say an average is probably no quicker than like two to three weeks now. Yeah, and can right? and for you, for example, I, I and maybe this is a bad example, but let's say you don't work in an industry where you could like work from home. Can are you able to take the next two to three weeks off because you can't get to work? Oh my god! I, well, no, you shouldn't. I mean, probably not. Nobody exactly. can, right? Yeah, no one could, right? So you don't want to have that risk of not having the coverage you should have. And when you rely on a vehicle so heavily, again, are you going to miss school for two to three weeks because you can't get to school anymore? Yeah, no chance. Again, there are other, there are, we are kind of playing it up. And I always tell people this when, when people talk about insurance rates and, and car rates, vehicles are not necessities. They are not. They are a privilege to have. If you do not take care of that privilege, then you don't deserve to have one. And that's what a lot of people don't understand is that it's not a necessity vehicle. We've lived, human life has lived a long time without cars. There's other means of transportation. So again, it's, it's a little bit tough because if you live in a big city, a lot more transportation options, you got taxis, you got cabs, you got like trains, all that kind of stuff. But again, if you live in a smaller town, a vehicle is a lot more, important to have right but again vehicles are not necessities but again i think people miss like misthink when they when they grow up and they're like you know what like having a car is like a must-have and it's like well it's not really because there's a lot of people that don't like if you live in toronto i know a lot of people that live in toronto they'll they don't have never owned a vehicle because they don't need to right, right. subway yeah. bus taxis all very very good sources of transportation yeah, for the day to day to get around. Absolutely. Absolutely. We just get used to it in more of the smaller towns and or smaller cities where your, you know, your your bus transit system is maybe subpar, for example, or doesn't go everywhere you need to go, that you just, you know, you grew up in a family with vehicles, right? Yeah. So you get used to that. And at that point, it actually becomes your your way of life and you don't think about it as a as like that privilege. It's it's a right to you in yeah. your head. And again, um, we pay for convenience and that's what vehicles are. They're convenient because I can go from point A to point B. I don't have to stop at a thousand bus stops, right? I don't have to stop at a thousand subway stations and then take a transfer and then go down here and go down there, right? It's a convenience factor of having it. But again, if you can't uphold the rights of having one, then you shouldn't have one. Exactly. There's one other thing too on the new vehicle side, James, I think our consumers and and listeners would love to hear about. And it's something that I advocate strongly in. I'm sure you do as well. 
But when you're purchasing a new vehicle, and this is especially important with the stock shortages right now and just wait times in general, there is um, an Ontario policy change form, as we refer to them, uh, 43, which goes by a couple of different terms in the industry, right? Waiver of depreciation, new vehicle replacement. Uh, There's probably five or six more that are used regularly. But anyways, the point of the coverage is to help put you back in the same position prior to when the loss happened with basically utilizing the bill of sale for what you paid for a vehicle, right? So to break that down, for those that don't know, you pay 75 grand for a vehicle, including all the you know taxes, MSRP, the, the add-ons, et cetera. If the vehicle's brand new, the insurance company um, more... Well, we'll utilize that to give you a proper payout versus just what the kind of, you know, old school black book value is or now what Auto Trader, Kijiji, those places are, right? So it's people need to know that that coverage is available with the majority of insurance companies and that it's very inexpensive. That's the big thing I wanted to point out. You're looking at maybe $40, $50, $60 for the year with most and it covers basically the vehicle if there's a total loss on it for an x you know period of time usually whatever it is 2 to 5 years yeah work. for for me i don't even bring it up like premium is not an option when it comes to that because that is such a important coverage to have i will explain it to clients to make sure they understand it but most times i would say 99% of the time i never even get asked a question of how much it costs because again it is such an important coverage to have not even prior to pandemic, but even now, because with the market how it is, the last thing you want to be doing is paying $50,000 for a vehicle, having it in a total loss, and then they go, well, you know what? It's only worth 30000 You still owe 20000 on it. Like, what are you going to do about it, right? Yeah. So, and then on top of that, too, having to go find another vehicle, and now you're $20,000 in debt that you have to basically pass over to a new vehicle. So now that new vehicle you're buying is $50,000, but that $20,000 of negative equity that you have in the old vehicle that's now a write-off is now $70,000 on the new vehicle you're trying to buy. So right, right. Very, very big coverage to have. And again, one that I will never talk about premium with a client because it is just so important to have. And again, premium should be like the last thing you're thinking of when having this coverage because it is going to save you in so many ways if you ever need to use it. Well, and it's so inexpensive, right? Again, it I is. Say, I it's, say the majority, but like most companies might be three, four, five dollars a month. Um, there is a difference between that and I believe what the gap coverage is that dealerships sell, which is more related to the financing terms. Ours is more for the insurance payout if there's a loss. So there is a difference. They are kind of two two slightly different products from two, you know, from an insurance and financing side. But my point was going to be to follow up on what you said, especially in now uh, the day we're living in with inflation on cars and everything else, if your vehicle is involved in a total loss, there's two reasons why you need this coverage. One, getting the same make model and year of a vehicle when there's these supply issues is going to be almost impossible right away. They don't have that same truck sitting on the lot with the same kilometers the next day, right? That's one of the massive issues. The other reason that you should have it is that if they give you the proper payout amount from a claim, so this coverage helps with, with basically the finalization of that, 
you can utilize that money to then pay for another vehicle or a used vehicle, whatever you want to do versus being out that was that money you said, James, right? Basically saying, now I'm down 20 grand and I don't even get the same vehicle I just lost. Yeah, 100%. It is but, so important, <clears throat> right? Yeah, it's so important to have. And I think a, a lot of people don't touch base on, which is kind of like a secondary feature of this. A lot of people don't realize when you get your vehicle fixed, a lot of mechanics, they don't go to the dealer and get OEM parts. If it's like a 15-year-old vehicle, like most of the time, you're probably getting aftermarket parts. With this coverage too, if you have it, they have to go to OEM parts. They have to go to the dealer. They have to go to the factory and get parts that are from Dodge, from Ford, from Honda, right? But again, an older vehicle that doesn't have this, most OEM parts are probably more expensive than aftermarket. So again, to keep costs low, Again, I'm not saying aftermarket parts are bad, but I know a lot of people have that kind of like feeling that they're like, oh, I don't want aftermarket parts on my on my vehicle. But again, it happens a lot. What do you think you do when you go to like get stuff fixed at a deal or at a mechanic shop? They don't always have OEM parts on hand. They usually will give you the price for aftermarket and they'll give you the price for OEM. So having this coverage too, even if the car is not a write-off and you're getting it fixed, if it's like ten thousand dollars worth of damage. They have to go to the actual factory and get OEM parts for the vehicle, which again, I don't think a lot. I think people oversee that and they don't, that's another huge uh, value add to this coverage. Yeah. Yeah. It's big. And it's it just another, one of the multiple reasons on this episode, about why, you know, with the current supply and demand on both new and used vehicles and what's going on, it's that much more important, right. To, uh, to make sure you have, again, the proper coverage on your policy. Yeah, I like personally, I don't I don't see and I, and I talk to dealers all the time because I work with so many of them. I don't see the market ever going back to how it was prior to the pandemic. I think the market is now going to evolve and almost going to take on like a like a Tesla model, maybe not as extreme as Tesla is where you go, you basically order the vehicle and it shows up like you don't even get to test drive anything. But I think it's going it, to the market's going to evolve to where these massive dealerships don't exist anymore because you don't need them to exist, right? Because people are going to have to evolve with the times and realize, you know what? Like we're never going to go back to the supply chain where it was prior where like I can order 500 vehicles a year from my dealership and they're all going to just sit here until they sell. I think it's going to turn into where you might have three or four trim levels of every vehicle, like sit on the lot for demos. And then if someone test drives them, test drives them, and then you basically order one from like a like from either the factory or like a big lot that like the company has sitting and then they basically get shipped in it takes like a week or two to get shipped in and then you have your new vehicle. So that's where I feel and that's where a lot of my dealers are feeling that that's it's going to go it's the, this the market the auto market has has been a very unchanged market for who knows 20 30 years right it's always been the way it has been but I think now with the pandemic and stuff, it's definitely going to have to evolve because you're already seeing a lot of dealers evolving. And you know what? Factory orders are the way it is, right? But again, right. you don't need to have a massive dealership. You don't need to have a, a thousand car law and a thousand cars sitting on it and losing money. Because again, the, the longer a car sits, the more money the dealer is going to lose, right? So right. I, think, I think it's going to evolve closer to how Tesla does it where you basically factory order every vehicle and it just gets sent and then like you have it, but I don't think it's going to go that far. I still think there's going to be like 
test drive vehicles that you can test drive to before you make that purchase, all that kind of stuff. So we'll right, have to see. Right. We'll have to kind of see where the market goes, but that's kind of what I'm predicting is it's going to go in that kind of direction. Yeah, I mean, I guess time will tell, right? We'll be, we'll kind of see as as things progress here through the the you know outside of of COVID and lockdowns and now back to kind of regular life and just dealing with things, right? As they as they come up. Yeah, so and change happens and, in every industry. Yeah, and honestly, the auto industry was was lacking change. Like, name me a time where it's been a, in a different process, right? Like, maybe maybe you could say that there was a change because before, like, you had to go into the dealership, like, you had to like sign and stuff. Where where now, like, you can do a lot of it online and make appointments online and go and do it. So maybe that might be a little bit of a change. But like before that, like, name me a time where the auto dealer world has really changed its processes yeah right right yeah so it's so true we we've gone through um i mean subtle changes in insurance with different coverages and whatnot Uh, we we do have an older process with paperwork and and some of the older applications right that's still a process that i think needs to be updated uh, revamped is the word i'm going to use but but needless to say every industry has its protocols it's got to go through right before it can make we make uh i think the auto industry is is has been needing one for a very long time and i think this is like where it's going to start going to to kind of yeah. get to kind of come up with in the times right to kind of i would almost say modernize its process of right how right. consumers buy vehicles yeah <clears throat> there's definitely yeah definitely a lot of change in how you can buy vehicles as well right there's there's different services available to where you buy a vehicle and they basically deliver it to your house i've seen a yep, couple of those around i guess that is a change too so I think that was that basically wraps it up for today's episode. Yeah, I think uh I think people kind of got an idea of like what the market's looking like and again how it ties back to insurance, right? Because again, I, I don't think a lot of people realize that buying a new vehicle and wait times and stuff like that definitely can impact your insurance based on the coverages that you have and Yeah. Yeah, just, just to kind of, kind of keeping fun. it in mind, right? Yeah, and and final thoughts just on that too for those that kind of listen to it but but need that recap the Coles notes from us three major things to look on your policy and or inquire about on your insurance policy one do you have rental vehicle coverage and if so how long do you have it for so what's that limit um two do you have either comprehensive or and or collision on your policy uh there's a part in this this podcast we discussed that and then three um, the wave of depreciation, new vehicle replacement. Basically, you're looking for something called OPCF 43. So a couple of things to highlight. Yes, 100%. And again, if you guys are ever have questions, me and Mike are always saying, either you, you can definitely contact us, you can contact who you work with. But if you guys have questions, please feel free to reach out to us. Again, we can definitely clarify things for you and help you out if you have questions. Because the last thing we want to happen is, you be unsure about something and then something happens and you're like, you know what? Oh, I wish I asked that question to James or Mike or whoever I deal with, but, and then it becomes a huge problem. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, some people only learn when that happens, but we like to be proactive and be on top of it ahead of those issues. Exactly. So yeah, this, uh, we're recording on the 9th. So this episode will go on the 15th of November. Um, we are kind of in the process of trying to get a, at least one more person on the podcast before we kind of take that little holiday break we are taking on December 20th. Um, so look out for that. 
Um, but again, if you guys are new to the podcast, we post every Tuesday. Um, so keep in mind of that. This is episode 10. So there are nine other episodes you can check out as well. Um, we're basically on all podcast streaming services, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, uh, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio. There's probably a ton of other ones that I'm not naming off. But if you basically check out any podcast streaming site, we are probably on it. But those are the major ones that we deal with mostly. So check us out. Again, if there's things that you find that we haven't answered or you have topics you or have questions you want us to answer definitely reach out to us again we can either add it into an episode as a topic or make it a whole episode depending on how big the question is or how much information we think we can add to that question so always feel free to reach out to us yep exactly we we love input we want to be able to answer questions for people as they pop up and also it gives us more content for creating more episodes as well exactly so but again always appreciate it thank you for allowing us to get to episode 10 and again, we hope to get to episode 50 and 100 in the new year. Again, we'll see how things go. Right now, we're only posting once a week. Again, if, it, if we grow to the point where we want to grow to, maybe add video in, that kind of stuff, we could get to two or three episodes a week. But for right now, we're at every Tuesday. So check us out. And I think that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks so much, guys. Have a good day. And we'll see you November 15th. <laughs>